The LifeSpring family of podcasts is brought to you in part by AMD Live. AMD Live brings digital entertainment to life. LifeSpring number 136, answers to frequently asked questions. Hello. You know, the most frequently asked question from me to you is, how you doing? So how are you doing? You having a good week? Thank you for stopping by. My name is Steve Webb, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me today. You know that Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, or your station in life. Jesus asks you this, who do you say that I am? LifeSpring is about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. So thanks again for coming on by. You know those burning questions you have, those questions that may have been nagging you for so long? Well, I'm going to answer a few FAQs today. Maybe one of your questions is on that list. Keep listening to find out. But first, let me just ask you to uh, stop by the show notes page at lifespringpodcast.com and check out the AMD Live banner you'll find there on the show notes page over there on the sidebar, on the right-hand sidebar. AMD has been so kind as to sponsor the LifeSpring family of podcasts for these uh, couple of months here. And uh, you know what? You're going to find lots of great free software when you click on that banner. And I have no doubt that you'll find at least one application that you will really find valuable. If you have kids, let me suggest you check out Kid Rocket. It'll help you to keep your youngsters safe on the internet. Let's get started, shall we? Let's get going. I've got a great song for you. This is one that I'm going to have to talk over for a little while. Because, well, because it's not a song that uh, I probably should play, but... Uh, a friend of mine is uh, one of the band members of this very old Christian group. It's called Sweet Comfort Band, and the name of the song is Looking for the Answer. And it was the best song that I could find in my library that would go along with today's topic. Answers to FAQs? Well, this is Looking for the Answer with Sweet Comfort Band. My friend Brian Duncan is the lead singer on this song.
comfort band. Looking for the answer. From the album entitled Perfect Timing. Nineteen eighty four. I'm holding the old vinyl in my hand even as we speak. Looking at a great album cover. Yeah, so uh, Sweet Comfort Band, they were formed originally in Orange County, California. Uh, Brian lives here in Riverside, not too far from me. And uh, Sweet Comfort Band was one of the very first really contemporary Christian bands. And uh, so, yeah, that's what's happening there. And so that's your education moment for (laughs) using the music. But, uh, yeah, looking for the answer. So we're going to talk about some frequently asked questions. Now, the first one is not so frequently asked. As a matter of fact, I had never heard it asked until a listener by the name of Ed emailed me with a question. He said, hey, Steve, here's an Ask Steve question. And he gave me a link, and he said, uh, this is what these people say, and then um, this is what another source says. And he said, what do you think? So the question was this. In one of the modern Bible versions, it states in Genesis 1 that God created the wild animals. Is this a correct translation? And so we're going to start with this one, even though it's not frequently asked, because uh, Ed is the one that kind of started this whole Ask Steve um, thing recently. Okay, so that's it. So, Ed, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go with the answer that was on the link that you sent me. I'm in complete agreement with what was said there, so there's no real uh, need to rewrite it. So here's what the answer was at uh, answersingenesis.org. And it makes a lot of sense to me, and I agree. And it says pretty much what I said to you in my uh, reply to you in the email. But it says this. Is, is, uh, so is it a correct translation where it says that God created the wild animals? The answer is no, it's not. And Christians need to be aware of how evolutionary ideas have even affected modern Bible translations. We do see wild animals in the world today, but when God made all the animals, and then Adam and Eve, he described his creation as very good. Also in Genesis, Adam and Eve and all the animals were vegetarian. So there was no death or bloodshed of animals before sin, or wild animals, therefore. Makes sense, right? Because many Christians have adopted the evolutionary idea that the violence we see all around us today is part of God's process of creating, they also believe that wild animals have always been violent. That's no, that could not be further from the truth. But listen, Paul describes the world we live in as one that's groaning in pain because of sin. That's why we're all looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth. When there will be no violence or death, everything will again be in perfect harmony. It says that the lion will lie down with the lamb. So that tells you right there that the lion is not going to want to have the lamb for lunch. So no, if if by wild animals you um, interpret that as being carnivores, the answer to that is no. So when Jesus returns and there is a new heaven and new earth, it will be a return to Eden as described in Genesis. There will be none of that bloodshed. So thank you to the people at AnswersInGenesis.org for answering that question so well and succinctly. Thank you, Ed, for getting the ball rolling this week. And um, if you have more questions that you want to ask, feel free to call them in at Steve, well, to email them to steve.lifespring at gmail.com or call them in at 206-350-CALL, 206-350-2255. But that's only the first question. 
Here's one that uh, this is going to be our Art Bell moment, okay? Want to take a ride? You ever listen to the Art Bell show? Yeah, well, if you don't, you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But Art Bell is a guy that talks a lot about uh, UFOs and uh, ghosts and uh, shadow people and, and junk like that. <laughs> Art Bell actually started a show called uh, Coast to Coast. He hosts it only on the weekends now. And there's another guy by the name of uh, George Norrie that uh, hosts the show Monday through Friday. Here in Southern California, there's a, a very powerful radio station called KFI, which is where actually Leo Laporte used to have a radio uh, program. He still does, but now Leo is syndicated. But anyway, so here's the question. What about UFOs or life on other planets or even ghosts? What do you think about that? Well, the Bible doesn't definitively say whether or not there's life on other worlds. But what we have to do is kind of extrapolate. Uh, listen up. In the case of UFOs or alleged alien abductions, which is another topic of conversation on the Coast to Coast show with Art Bell, we have to say that it is really doubtful that these phenomena originate with God, right? Alleged alien abductions and UFOs and etc. Most, most likely not a, not a God thing. Now, here's something, though, that might surprise you. I do believe in the existence of UFOs. <laughs> and I do believe in alien abductions. Steve, you've gone off your rocker, but no, 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 no. I do not, not for one instant, believe that these so-called aliens are visitors from another planet, whether they're humanoid or otherwise. In my opinion, they are undoubtedly demons masquerading in the guise of extraterrestrials. There is even a possibility that they are a weird form of human-angelic hybrid. Now, doesn't that sound strange? Steve, you are really weird here. Now, where did you get that? A human-angelic hybrid. Well, in the sixth chapter of Genesis, it speaks about the sons of God, quote-unquote, taking human wives and producing hybrid offspring that God destroyed during the flood of Noah. Now, traditional Jewish teaching on the subject holds that these sons of God were fallen angels and that they had the ability to mate with humans and produce offspring. They're often called Nephilim. Now, not all Bible scholars agree with that. I have to say that. Some of them believe that the sons of God were the descendants of Adam's son, Seth. But whether or not that's true, Genesis 6 is possibly one answer to the UFO question. It could be Nephilim. It's a possibility. One thing that I, I do believe is, if it's not Nephilim, I really honestly do believe that it is a, a demonic or a satanic um, appearance. I really believe that. Uh, there have been too many UFO sightings and uh, the stories from people that, that kind of jibe, even though they've never spoken to each other. So something is happening, but I don't believe that it is uh, beings from another planet. Unless by beings from, from another planet, you define that as demons or Satan. So, I know, sounds weird, but that's what I believe. Now, it's also interesting to note that many abductees report genetic experiments done by these so-called aliens. If you listen to these uh, interviews that some of these people do, they talk about that. They talk about these genetic experiments. Well, listen, that sounds very much like the events behind Genesis 6, where it says that the um, sons of God took human wives and produced hybrid offspring. It's a possibility. 
But anyway, uh, with these genetic experiments, it could be that it's the same old devil up to the same old tricks. <laughs> As a final note, you never hear tales of an alien abduction coming from a born-again believer consciously striving to follow Jesus. The people who find themselves encountering UFOs either have no particular religious faith to speak of, or they're superficial or non-practicing members of a church, or they're into, this is very common, New Age religions, or they dabble in the occult. So, yeah, you got to be careful about that. So what about ghosts? I think the same answer applies to the ghosts as well, and also to mediums who channel the dear departed, you know, if if Aunt Gertrude appears and you say, oh, that's got to be her because she said something that only Aunt Gertrude would know. Well, listen, it's an easy thing for Satan or a demon to masquerade as a person who has died. And since they are spiritual beings outside of time, it's easy to see how they might be able to come up with some little known fact from your past that only Aunt Gertrude would know. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I think that there are ghosts, but it's not the dearly departed. So the main purpose of all this demonic activity is to get your eyes away from Jesus. That's really it. If they can make you think that ghosts are real, or if they can make you think that there's a, uh, you know, beings from outer space that are invading or something like that, what that does is it just takes your attention away from where it ought to be. And our attention should be on God, should be on Jesus the Bible says, whatsoever is good and pure and righteous and, and, and trustworthy and true, think on these things. Yeah, so don't get all tied up in UFOs and ghosts and stuff like that. How's that for a, for a frequently asked question? You ever wonder about that? Well, that's, uh, that's old Steve's answer to it, and I think it's a biblical response. Now, this one uh, is kind of serious. We're going to kind of switch gears here. Uh, the last one was, was kind of lighthearted. At least it was for me, but this one is not. Can a person who commits suicide go to heaven? Now, there is uh, a lot of uh, debate on this one because the Bible doesn't really say one way or another. But one thing that we can be sure of is that God does not approve of suicide. God holds life in his hands. When we intervene, when we cut our own life or someone else's life short, in my opinion, what we're doing is committing the sin of pride. Pride is the sin that caused Satan to fall. Pride, God hates pride. You see, with suicide, it's my will over God's will. If I take my own life, I'm saying, I'm done. I'm not going to be here anymore. Well, that's my will. God's will would not be that. Listen, a, a, a true Christian, a true believer, a true follower of Christ can't consider suicide as an answer to life's problems. If we trust God, we trust Him. We won't take that enormous step of taking our own life because we don't see any other way out. If God is God, then we trust Him even when we don't see the solution, even when everything looks dark. Until the day that you die um, of natural causes or an accident or something like that, you're here until God wants you to be elsewhere. So we have to trust that he has a plan and that his plan is better than our plan. He has good things in mind for each one of us, if, especially if you're a believer, but he wants good for every person on the planet. 
He wants every person on the planet to come to the place where they go to Jesus and accept him as their Savior. That's why Jesus paid that ultimate, ultimate, ultimate price of giving his own life. Being God, he had that right. But you don't. What about the case of someone with an incurable disease? People often say that. They just can't stand the pain anymore. Well, my answer would be the same. If God is God, then we have to trust him, even when we don't see the solution. We don't have the right to take a life. So is suicide unforgivable? Getting back to the original question, can a person who commits suicide go to heaven? The Bible says that there is only one unforgivable sin, and suicide is not that sin. That sin is called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, because of time, we're not going to address that one on the show today. If you have an interest in that one, let me know, steve.lifespring at gmail.com, or call it in on the listener, on the listener comment line, 206-350-CALL. So if, if a person commits suicide, have they committed the, the unforgivable sin? My answer would be no. I know that there are those that are going to disagree, and that's okay. As a matter of fact, that's a good segue into the next question. And this is one that I hear a lot. Why don't all these denominations agree? How can I know which one is right? What's up with all these different groups? How come you Christians can't get along? <laughs> Why all the different flavors? Well, listen, denominations of one sort or another have existed forever. When Jesus was here, the Bible shows us that even in the Jewish religion, which with its very clearly expressed system of commandments, there were different schools of thought on just how those commandments should be practiced. In the New Testament church, there were different groups or denominations that we would say today. The churches in Israel, made up of Jews, were very Jewish in their makeup. They continued to worship on Saturdays, and they observed the different Jewish festivals and holy days, but with an understanding, with a new understanding of what those festivals and holy days really represented. Because when you look at those festivals and you look at those holy days, you see Jesus in them when you have that um, Christian mindset. Other Christian churches in non-Jewish areas during New Testament times worshipped on Sunday and they didn't do the same um, kind of um, uh, what we would call today liturgy. They didn't have the same symbolism that the Jews brought to worship services. They were more like probably very close to what we might attend today in some of our churches. So Paul writing in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians mentions some of the different breaks that were happening in the church at Corinth. Now there was a, a lot of there were a lot of disagreements with the church at Corinth. And what caused most of those schisms were egos. And that's just what happens now on a lot of the, the, uh, the church splits that happen and the new denominations. But the thing that's important to keep in mind is, as far as God is concerned, there is only one church. And that is the body of Christ that is made up of all the believers, all those who are following Christ, those that have placed their faith in him whether they call themselves Baptist or Catholic or Presbyterian or what have you. There is one church as far as God is concerned. So the difference is 
that you see in the churches really um, have to do with non-essential issues, things that are not central to the faith. You know, some one group might say, well, to be baptized, you've got to be sprinkled. And somebody else says, nah, unless you are totally dunked under, you are not baptized and things like that. Well, what are the, the essentials? Well, if we look in Hebrews 6, Paul even gave us a list. In Hebrews 6, it says, uh, and this is from the New International Version, Paul says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation, the foundation, okay, now, after the word foundation is what the essentials are, okay? So Paul is saying, listen, let's not keep dwelling on the elementary, on the basics here, because what he was doing in this particular letter to the Hebrews is he's trying to tell them to grow up, quit being babies, He says, these are the things that are essential. These are the basic foundation. You ready? Repentance from acts that lead to death, faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, and eternal judgment. Okay, now that's strictly straight from the Bible. Different denominations even have uh, different things that they consider to be essential. But the, the essential essential, the Bottom, bottom, bottom line is repentance from acts that lead to death. In other words, turning away from sin. Okay? Faith in God. What is that? Faith in Jesus Christ. Placing our trust and reliance in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. That's what that is. Okay? So you turn from your sin. You put your faith in Jesus for for forgiveness, believing that his, his death on the cross paid for our sins, and that through that we have forgiveness. Okay, the next thing on that it says is instruction about baptisms. Well, listen, it what they mean there is most likely, and, and this is what, <laughs> even in the basics there are different uh, interpretations, but but it's still not that difficult to get. Instruction about baptisms probably means uh, or, or speaks metaphorically of a number of different spiritual experiences in the life of a believer, but certainly it includes water bat- baptism. There's no disagreement there. Different groups, though, talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit and um, different things. And so the main thing, though, that everybody agrees on is water baptism. You need to be baptized. Now, does that mean you have to get baptized in order to be saved? Well, that's where different denominations believe differently about the necessity of baptism. Some say if you're not baptized our way, you're not saved. Some say in order to be saved, you have to be baptized. Some say that baptism is merely a, uh, a reflection or a, a representation of what has already happened. That is, of the laying down of my own life and then having new life in Christ. Whatever you have in your head is okay as long as you follow the Lord in baptism. And even there, I'm going to have some disagreement. <laughs> oh, we we Christians are sometimes just really silly in, in the things that we insist upon. All I'm saying is here in Hebrews, it says repentance from acts that lead to death, faith in God, instructions about baptism. They're all part of the foundation. Next is the laying on of hands. And that was practiced by the early church and included both a prayer for the grace and power of God to strengthen or heal the believer. But it was also a way of, of ordination or saying, um, to ordain uh, someone is to say, yes, we agree that you have been called to be a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, that type of a thing. 
the early church felt that this process of prayer and laying out of hands was very important. And there are many churches today, including my own, that still do the laying on of hands. Now, do we believe that the laying on of hands has some sort of uh, uh, magic power? Absolutely not. But what it is, is it's a, a, a way of obeying God's call to do just that. It's a way of saying, yes, God, we believe that you can work in this person's life. And so this is what we're going to do. That's part of the basics. Interesting, isn't it? And then um, the last thing, there's two things that are listed kind of last, but together here in Hebrews chapter six is the resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. Now, what is that? That refers to the acceptance that all humans will have an eternal existence, either with God or apart from God, along with a reward or a punishment based on their faith in Christ. Resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Every person, every person, whether you are a believer or not, are going to be raised from the dead. Now, that sounds weird, but it's true. That's what the Bible says. But after you're raised from the dead, then there is the question of, are you going to spend eternity in heaven because you've placed your faith in Jesus? Or are you going to spend your eternity separated from God in what is known as hell for eternity? So those are the basics, according to Hebrews chapter 6. Beyond that point, though, denominations disagree in matters of non-essential things. As I've already said, you know, whether or not you are baptized by sprinkling or dunking, uh, whether or not you believe in the gift of tongues for today, whether you believe that when you take uh, the Lord's Supper or communion, whether that wafer is actually the body of Christ or it's a representation. Now, some people say, listen, Steve, that is not non-essential. That's essential. Not according to Hebrews chapter 6. Now, Am I saying that they're not important? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that at all. I have my very, very strong belief about all these non-essentials. But what what we as believers need to do is agree to disagree on those things and agree on the essentials. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus did die on the cross for my sins and for your sins, etc. Things like that, okay? So this can really be a kettle of, uh, of worms here. And, but it doesn't have to be. It depends upon how agreeable or disagreeable you want to be. But that's why there are the differences in, in the denominations. What a person has to do if, if one is, is joining a church is to pray about it and to find the place that you feel comfortable in, that, that teaches things that go along with Scripture. That's the important thing. So those are some answers to some frequently asked questions questions. Listen, I got a, a uh, <laughs> I was on the Podsafe Music Network looking for music tonight, and I could not believe that I found this song. And unless you've heard it on another podcast in the, in the last day or two, you haven't heard it before either on a podcast. And it blows me away that I'm able to play it. We like to sing a song that was based upon this very great land in which we are now sitting and squatting upon. California. <laughs> Sounds familiar? Uh-huh.
Yeah, we're going to have this every year, you know. You all can stay if you want. I think I might. <laughs> yeah, that's the Mamas and the Papas, California Dream, and that's the real, that is not a, a cover group. That is the Mamas and the Papas, recorded live at the Monterey Pop Festival 40 years ago, <laughs> June 16th to 18th, 1967. I was just coming into my teens at that point, and this music was certainly a part of my life. Actually, I'm going to play more of these cuts on the Weekend Music Show this week. I'm doing a a bonus uh, episode this week, uh, midweek, and so it's going to be on that. So you might want to watch for that. If you're not subscribed to the Weekend Music Show, uh, you might want to check it out if you like that kind of music. It's not Christian music, but it's a part of music history, and it's a part of my life. And uh, so, you know, that's, uh, that's why I played that. I enjoyed that music, and I was certainly a part of those times. And uh, yeah, you can say it. Yeah, I'm an old guy. But you know what? I heard something this week that uh, made me feel not quite so old. It turns out that a, a huge percentage of podcast listeners are in my age group. So, you know, I'm not only talking to youngsters out there like I thought at one time. So, um, you know, there's a bunch of old <laughs> other oldsters out there listening to me as well. So, yeah, that's a good thing, too. Okay, now podcast of the week. This is a friend of mine. I've uh, talked to Steve uh, several times, and uh, he's a Twitter buddy, and um, he's from uh, Orange County, California. And this is a podcast that he does. The Jersey Boy podcast is for fans of the new Broadway musical called Jersey Boys that chronicles the successes, challenges, and ups and downs of Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. This podcast includes samples of the recent recordings from Rhino Records and details about the current musical showing at the August Wilson Theater in New York City. Visit www.jerseyboyspodcast.com. That's jerseyboyspodcast.com for more information, including links for the Broadway show, music offerings from Amazon.com, and pointers to more information about Jersey Boys and Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. So if you are a fan of Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons, and if you are a fan of the Jersey Boys Broadway play, take a listen to the Jersey Boys podcast. I will, of course, have a link on the show notes page at lifespringpodcast.com. And website of the week. This is one from the bbc.co.uk from uh, their science and the human body section on their website. This is called the Senses Challenge, and it's, it's, it's really kind of fun. It's 20 questions. Kind of goes along with the theme today with frequently asked questions. But uh, they're going to test you on uh, your knowledge and your ability to taste, to see, to hear, to touch, and to smell. How do you do that on a website? Well, you have to go and check it out. But uh, I got 13 out of 20 right, which wasn't too bad. (laughs) Check out the link on the show notes page and see how you do on the Senses Challenge. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. I have one more quote for you. It goes like this. It is harder to ask a sensible question than to supply a sensible answer. It's a Persian proverb. And 
I hope that I gave you some sensible answers today to your frequently asked questions. It's um, not an easy thing to do, but uh, it's, it's a part of uh, what I do, and it's a part of what I hope you like to listen to the show for. If you'd like uh, to call in your own question, please don't hesitate to do that. I love getting your email, and I love getting your voice comments. Well, until next time, I'm Steve Webb. I'm your host, and I'm so glad you're a part of the family. May God bless you richly, and I'll talk to you next time. This has been an In Touch Productions podcast. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight. 